Hello and welcome. This is Talon Lee. And this is Clay. And this is From the Rooftops. Okay. See? It's easy. Easy. There's a reason college kids can do this. (laughs) There's a reason why every white guy has a podcast. From the Rooftops is a podcast where we get really mad about superheroes. In a broad, general way. And also very specific. Yeah. But not yeah. directly. We, but also very directly. You know those conversations that you try and skip out on fast with that one guy? And it's usually a guy at your local comic book store. Well, we've decided to concentrate those conversations into one podcast. So you can easily ignore us all at once. I'm at least four of those guys on any given day. <laughs> so, Clay, how about you give the true believers out there a quick rundown on who y'all are? Uh, I'm Clay, um, from Georgia and from different parts of America here and there, but me, I'm a child of 89, so a lot of my life has been in a world where we have, you know, the first Batman movies, uh, Batman the Animated Series, the 90s Spider-Man, X-Men cartoons. I didn't get super into comics as a medium until, like, my mid-teens, when I started having money. Well, not mid-teens, early teens. When I started having money I could spend, and then I got super into <laughs> collecting trades and buying up stuff and then i got broke for a while and then i started digging through crates and you know you go through the whole thing um and the genre as a whole just speaks to me i love comics as a medium and i love all of the other extended mediums that they come from but specifically superhero comics is something is a thing that i'm very i feel very strongly about and all the ways it goes good and bad and even when it's bad in a way that i enjoy and I want to talk about it with you and with everybody out there. Yeah, that's really excellent stuff. See, I thought this was going to be just a riff full of sarcastic jokes, and now you've just been, like, super sincere, and all the stuff I was preparing, I have to be like, oh, uh, heck. Um, So, as for myself, I have never been a big comics collector, because... Uh, the nature of just comics collecting in Australia is very different. Mm. There's this Pacific Ocean thing that makes getting copies of things a little tricky, and comic book stores in my area had this bad habit of dying. That's everywhere, man. It's yeah, sad. it's sadly true. Um, what this means is that I instead wound up with a small collection of trades, but I've read a lot of stuff, and I have a lot of connected media interests. I've always been fascinated by superheroes because they were one of the first things that really connected to the way I was told the world would work as a child and that meant that when i got out and found that there was this whole wealthy breadth of of comic books that weren't awful things made by jack chick and his publishing house uh, we're gonna get to that one day oh yeah um i found all this fascinating stuff and i really i really liked superheroes also i have i have cards on the table probably batman the animated series was one of the big formative interests it's it's funny i know a guy who is obsessed with Batman. And maybe he'll hear this. Hey, man. And he's the kind of guy who's he's probably going to have to... He's, he, you know the guy. He better listen to your damn podcast. It, it depends. You anyway. I'm editing this for my health. <laughs> anyway, he's the guy that has so much Batman shit that if he has a kid, one day that kid's going to look at him and say, Daddy, why is everything that doesn't have mom's name on it have a fucking bat on it? He's not going to sit that kid down <laughs> With a copy of year one, or even a, even like a DVD, if it's close enough that DVDs still work, you know, of 89, he's gonna sit him down, he's gonna play him Batman the Animated Series. And I love the animated series, and I'm not gonna take anything from it, but it's really fun, it's funny, I like it more now than I did as a kid, because mm. the Spider-Man cartoon was way more obnoxious, it's like very, if you've ever been through it, it's an extremely fast-paced, loud, high-drama thing. Mm, animated, Batman Animated Batman Series animated is, is, is yeah. Well, it's a noir it's detective a story. Show. 
It's a better show than the spot than the original Spider-Man cartoon, but hmm. it grabbed me more because I was a hyperactive kid. Yeah, also and there's, there's nothing wrong there. with that. There is also the one big common superhero crux the two of us have. Oh, good. I was wondering if we were going to get into that. So We uh, absolutely should get into that. And indeed, it's how we met. Mm. Um, because for a period of a couple of years there, Premi and I used to pretend to be superheroes. Sure, sure, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretend. Just, so, mm. <laughs> that's the thing with the podcaster identity. No one believed podcasters are actually superheroes, so it's the ultimate cover. No, uh, we played City of Heroes. Ex- extensively, on Virtue. So the great thing about yep. City of Heroes for me is that was, because I st- got on my last year of high school in 07, 08. And I, I had played before. <laughs> I played before. But uh, I didn't have the, uh, like, I guess, personal infrastructure to meaningfully engage with it. I'd go to my cousin's house and we'd do a free trial for a while. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Maybe maybe one day we can play this game for real. And so then, you know, when I was 17, 18, I had a job. I could get, a, you know, a, a debit card, a bank account, and subscribe to an MMO and had internet in my house. Then I started playing. And I know you had an old moment. I've heard it, and I could smell the dust falling from you from over here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to let that go because I, yeah. I could feel it vibrating. No, I, I, in I rage. graduated in year 2000. Oof. So, yeah. The but world was supposed to early. end. That that didn't hit you when, when nothing came crashing down, man? That that actually hecked me up really badly, oh, like yeah. legitimately, because I was never expecting to have to find a job. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> Because cause it was this attitude of like, well, the world's going to end around the year 2000, uh, so you don't need to learn how to vote, mm-hmm. you don't need to know anything about the government, and you don't need to know how to find a job, or, or what a job is, or how to do one. Schedule doctor's appointments, any of that shit. Budgets. What's yeah. a budget? <laughs> Just this this. Well, drop the seat onto your knees and pray to the Lord. That's the budget. <laughs> This 17-year-old, completely smart aleck, um, you know, smart ass dumbass, potential, potential priest walking out of high school going, well, I'll just wait around, shall I? <laughs> oh, God. It was funny when they insisted to other people that I wanted to be a, preach, a preacher. And I was like, um, Ooh. no, excuse me. Do you I get a sentence? I just, I just told the pastor that you wanted to be a preacher. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes, but yeah, am I lying in church uh, now? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, City of Heroes was the first MMO I stuck with, and really the only one I've stuck with with any length of time. Oh, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't naturally have the the aptitude to play MMOs. They just don't stick to me like that. But a, it's one of my genres, and b, there was just certain things about it that worked for me. Yeah. Um. One one thing City of Heroes did that I think that a lot of MMOs failed to grasp was that when you created a character, the very first thing you did wasn't necessarily picking your class per se. You could dirtle around with a costume maker and get looks and then go back and change the class or whatnot before you committed to it but the last thing you had to do before you press the button and committed to playing the game was you could write a little bio description for your character like those little back of the back of the box character bios you got on uh superhero figures and gi joe toys and just by inducing you to write anything you wanted in that thing in that little box you just approach this game with the inherent idea of oh i'm creating something yes and you know it's funny about that even if you didn't write shit they still demanded that you answer a story question with the origin and people dismiss origins a lot back in the day but i was like it's a really important thing y'all don't click to they ask you what are what is this thing what is this person you're making at the on the basis level, what is it? What did 
pick one of these buttons, these are story qu- buttons. That's all they are. They don't do anything else yep. but answer a story question. And that and they like, weren't implemented well, and I can understand the problems with that, and I heard from coders after the fact that it was all, there were, there were plans to do stuff with that, it was buried behind a mountain of spaghetti code, and there was just nothing that could done, done with it, but it was still, you're right, that's a really good point, it was a story question. Yeah, and you know, there's the, there's the, uh, the dumb argument everybody had, which had the right answer, which was, there should have been a six origin, you know, that was alien, and then there's the argument, hey, what is Superman's origin? Yeah. <laughs> the, the answer is he doesn't work in this game. That's the answer to that question. That's a good point, yes. Oh, um, oh, 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 you had a different opinion. <laughs> no. That, no, I, I think... So, one, one of the things that that's response. also happened... One of the things that's also happened to me over the course of my uh, recent life was that I went to university, and mm. part of that was doing university-level work, most of which involved taking on perspectives and mindsets that weren't necessarily my own, and recognizing that a lot of the things that people use when they say things like good or bad, they're really more like lenses, like specific oh. interpretations and models of stuff. Mm. And so, um, in this case, what Clay's doing is saying, here is here is um, my model for how this should work. <laughs> and like, no, that, that model works. That's a really good idea. No, it, um, I know what you mean. And what's, yeah. the, what's the phrase? Um, it's in the Buddhist phrase. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. And yeah. you're very right. Like, the, the argument was, how does Superman work within these confines? And my answer is, is he doesn't, as opposed to yeah. answering the question. What is, how does it yeah. work? Ah, I guess I don't really have a strong answer for that within those confines. And see, uh, Japanese has a, like, we in English have yes and no, and they're meant to be, they're seen as like a binary. In Japanese, there's a, a, a kind of a trinary, where there's yes, no, and another, a third one we don't obviously have a word for, which is mu, and mu kind of means the question's wrong? <laughs> And I think that that is very much for you a, a, a an answer to that question. It's that's a, that was an argument that you know raged on forever since the life of the game. I'm just like, but yeah, superheroes. Mm. Many have defined a superhero. In conclusion, a superhero is a land of contrast. <laughs> uh, we need to explain what we mean by superheroes and what engages us about superheroes before we start talking about them. Um, yes. Just just in case you're wondering what the approach to this podcast will be. First things first, the, game, the podcast's current development title in the filing system we use right. is mm-hmm. Comics Tarnation. And the secondary name, which we had to reject because Clay didn't want to be seen as too negative, even though he's totally going to go there, was you are wrong about superheroes. Yeah, we want to be more broad because if we sit here and reference individual issues and this, that, and the third, one, that's not who we are, really. And two, I'm way more concerned with like the overall structure of the superhero genre and shared universes than I am in the specifics of little things. And even when I get specific, it's in reference to how this works as a whole and i feel like you're kind of the same way yeah in a more broader like cultural perspective yeah i, I got that annoying that. media studies thing going on where i'm fascinated yes. by like schema and 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 uh what you can use a character for and what a character can say rather than necessarily arguing about the specifics of this particular panel mm. um but so clay mm. what does a superhero mean to you to me well i feel like we have to like break down the individual elements because there's a lot of characters in comics and there's a lot of characters in like Marvel and DC or in superhero universes who are very clearly not and then there are some who everybody else thinks are and I think aren't and not for morality reasons or even quality reasons it's just they don't possess the attributes that I think 
break it down and that differentiate it from all other fiction. Like even the city of heroes. By all means, my friend, as the very white person said to the very not white person, let us break it down. <laughs> okay, let me get the cardboard boxes. I haven't done this. <laughs> there, there is one white guy who can get away with doing that, and that was Mister Rogers. So um, I feel like if you you know things are what they are, and they are defined by what they aren't either. And I'm just kind of dancing around it, but you need certain things. I think one, it has to be modern. You can't be a superhero in ancient times or in a far flung future. It has to live in our world, right? Or something that looks enough like it that we agree that it's ours. A modern frame of reference. Mm-hmm. In a city, in a town, with you know cell phones and cars and what have you. Um, mm-hmm. they have to be not normal. They have to be subversive or like different because if everybody's doing it. Or as uh, what Syndrome would say, if everybody's super, then no one is. You have to be unique and special. Even if there's 50 of you, there's only 50 of you and not the entire population. It's kind of yep. sort of what X-Men gets at. But, and I know, I know, stop. I'm not, <laughs> do you hear me starting? I can feel it, just like the dust. We have so many episodes to go through. Yes, before we get to that. I will have time to stand in my chair and holler about the X-Men. So, and also that nature of being, that, that's part of being exceptional, not just in terms of having power, but also in terms that, like, everybody doesn't do this thing. And the thing is, the thing that they do, the what, we've said the who and the where, the what of a superhero story would be regularly like pursue evil and protect people they don't just get up in the morning and find one guy and say that's the guy he harmed me i'm gonna go get him no they get up every day and say i'm going to fight crime i'm going to stop disaster for the rest of their lives presumably and part of that is their life is at least in a a certain way having two lives or at least interacting with the real world i don't know if they need a secret identity per se but i think they need a real person's life and a super person's life oh yeah because again they're in a real world and if you're in the real world but you don't do real world things what is even the point of it right if you mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why i say the x-men aren't actually superheroes is that because of anything they do specifically it's because they live in a mansion they do x-men things all day every day when they stop they leave and we stop reading about them they retire you know yeah now uh just to expand slightly on two of the things you brought up because i'm taking notes um with this framework of a modern setting mm-hmm. How do you feel about 1604 specifically? Say, oh, you're talking, you said 1604, um, was it Marvel 1604? Uh, 1604, talking... the Marvel by Neil Gaiman, that, that short trade. Actually, yeah, I never okay. picked that up, actually. I've heard good things, and you know, it's Neil Gaiman, he's pretty damn good, but I haven't touched on it. That said... If I can it, if I can use your lens and mm-hmm. look at it for a moment, because I have read it, I I would suspect you're, you would correct... I, I suspect the correct interpretation under your schema would be that 1604, while a good and engaging story story that connects to superhero stories isn't a superhero story it's a story that uses superheroes very much so and again like i say the fantastic four on superheroes uh the x-men most of the avengers actually at least the movie avengers because what's, <laughs> what's cat's day oh. job <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get into that one that's not, that's not, again that's not a moral statement people are like oh the punisher is not a superhero because he kills people Maybe a superhero can kill people. You see a killing type of superhero. He's not a superhero because he fucking lives in a van and all he does is kill people. He doesn't do anything else. And he doesn't interact (laughs) with the real world anymore. And he can walk around and kill people all day and that never affects him because he doesn't live in the real world. He lives in a world where he can exist. He lives in Riverdale, doesn't he? (laughs) You know what? I would watch that show if he did. John Bernard just shows up and shoots people. (laughs) 
Oh, how how much do you want that to be the big twist for the final episode of Riverdale now when they are just completely tapped out on all ideas? Frank Castle shows up and just starts killing people. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. When we were discussing this, uh, listeners, we were like, okay, what are we going to talk about comics specifically? Because do we have strong opinions about Archie? We were like, nah, we don't. But apparently we do. <laughs> We, we have fucking do have we have strong opinions about Archie. Maybe not a whole episode's worth about Archie. Archie and Casper. Anyway, um, no, and it's 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 Richie Rich and Casper. Remember, Casper is dead. Richie Rich. No, because Casper's a good person. <gasps> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, that's right. We're gonna fucking throw down on them. <laughs> I've been trying not to swear, but apparently the thing that tips me over the edge is, the, is it's fucking Richie Rich. Rich. <laughs> It's like, fuck that little bastard. It's money. Stay lost, New York. Your friends a ticket to the baseball game, you little shit. Uh, anyway. Oh, so, man. Um, that said, I, uh, I have a similar perspective on superheroes. I don't necessarily align completely with Clay on this one. I think that, for Please. example, there can be some, like, full-time superhero characters. Um, but definitely the idea that they need to have an intersection with the real world, uh, and that their world needs to be meaningfully like ours, because that's part of the point of them. They're meant to be people with some sense of mythic weight to their actions, not just arbitrary god creatures. And scarcely, basically I agree very strongly with most of what Clay just said. Uh, for me a superhero story is and i guess this is more my this is more like writing advice the stuff that i care about as a as a storyteller and as a consumer of media in any given superhero story you need to have as the core character or characters someone where the question is not so much what they're going to do but how they do it so let's say there's a bomb at a school and you have a selection of different characters you can then ask yourself how they're going to deal with this and i to you know uh luke cage for example Luke Cage in that story, Luke Cage is going to bust through the walls. Um, you know, he's going to he's going to probably be being chased by police because they're like, hey, there's a strange black guy on campus and we're now scared because that's part of that intersection of the real world. Also, uh, he's like he, seven feet tall and he just busted through the wall. So, yeah, he's he's kind of a big deal. And we've already um, shot him once. We saw him and we just shot him on reflex and that didn't work. So now we're shooting more. We didn't even know he was yeah, doing anything. We just shot him. <laughs> Well, being black on campus. Um, but he would probably bust through a wall. He lacks a lot of technical skills to find the bomb. So you're going to find like a, a moment of him trying to think around that particular part of the puzzle or maybe getting guidance from a friend or suggestions of like, oh no, it'd be kind of this. Then he probably like embraces the bomb with his body and absorbs the blast into himself and he's fine. Um, at the same time, then you've got say um, a more technical hero. Um, and I admit the, literally the, the first name that sprang to mind is Techno of the Thunderbolts. So... <laughs> Wow. You're bigger than I just didn't want to say actually. Tony Stark, because fuck Tony Stark. Oh, yes, of um, course. <laughs> just like Richie Rich. Yeah. <laughs> I clearly just don't like money. Um, but Techno, if he had to, to, to deal with a bomb at a school, he would be doing things like, I'm going to run a scan, I'm going to hijack all of the um, school's cameras, and I'm going to use those to try and find signals that find the bomb, and I'm connecting to the bomb, and I'm dismantling it from a distance, and ha look at how smart I am. Um the question of do they get the bomb isn't interesting. The question of how they get the bomb is. Yeah. And that's always been the allure to me of superhero stories. Very much so. And it's funny to hear, like, you go back.
back in the day and you listen to Stan Lee talk about this stuff. And he always uses the phrase gimmick, and I like that idea. It's like, this yeah. is their thing. It was like, he doesn't say, this is their superpowers. He says, I had all these gimmicks. Oh, he has a wall crawling gimmick and his super strength gimmick and the spider sense gimmick. It's a gimmick. It's a, it's a hook to pull you in. Because realistically, yeah. if their name is on the book, he's not gonna die solving the problem. That's a foregone yeah. conclusion. That's why people say, oh, Superman's too powerful. He's boring. Do you really think Batman's going to die? No. They're equally immortal in their stories. The thing is, we're, we're what's interesting about their style. I yell about Superman. Of course, of course. But it's the individual style because it's supposed to be a story about giving you a character for you to root for. That's why I like making comparisons to wrestling, or even sports, yeah. because it's, this is my guy, I root for that guy, and when he's in a crossover, I want him to do the cool thing over everybody else. And yeah. it's not about, you know, like you said, it's not about this, the what, it's about the specifics of it. What's going to happen? He's going to fight the bad guy. He's going to save the day. But is it going to be interesting? That's part of what fuels these superhero universes being so populated by these huge casts of, in some cases, complete losers. Um, in a lot of cases, superhero characters that show up, it doesn't matter who the character is. That's someone's, I, I apologize for the, for the gendered term. I wish I knew, I wish a more intuitive one came to mind, but that's someone's boy. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, man, like to get a little discoursey, the, the conversation around like, Hey, we, uh, you know, we killed this or that character and replaced him with someone new. And I was like, that was someone's guy and you killed yeah. him. So he feels bad. And you're going to say, Oh, well, you don't, you don't want new characters. No, I didn't want you to kill mine. You could kill that yeah. guy. I don't give a shit, but you killed mine and you're going to like shut me down completely. I remember when Miles Morales happened. Now, Ultimate Spider-Man is my favorite, one of my favorite superhero comic books series in ever. Even if, even, even sometimes even when I don't like it, I still like it because A, I like to say, I always want my five. I got way more than my five years of a consistent writer, artist, and character going through their arc. And so that, you know, that bread attachment and that bread connection. And so then everyone, you know, he dies and they're like, oh, well, it wasn't real Spider-Man. Fuck you. He was my Spider-Man. And yeah, sure, Miles is supposed to look like me and be for me. But no, why don't you kill regular Pete? He's doing all kinds of bullshit I hate. <laughs> He's fucking Help Iron Man now. Um, mm-hmm. just, just for a framing device here, um, remind me specifically mm-hmm. Ultimate Spider-Man. That's the, that the Ultimate Ultimates was when they did a continuity anima for every major character they cared about. They did it. It and... was an Elseworld story. It was completely separate. And when they first did it, they said, oh, they'll never cross over. And then they did because, you know, <laughs> moral bankruptcy of, of creative, you know, whatever. Fuck it. Money. But at the time, it was completely separate. You picked up Ultimate Spider-Man. That was Spider-Man. the... Mm-hmm. Sorry? That was the Peter who was younger, right? He was like... It, he was 15. 17, 19? 15. 15. Right. That's right. This sophomore. is the one where Black Cat kisses him. She baffs on him afterwards when she realizes yeah, she like, just kissed him. Oh my god, you're 15. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I've been trying to get... Oh no, no, leave. Go away. It's great. I love that moment so much. And it's funny because, <laughs> you know, Mark Bagley draws Pete. Very cute. And he looks nice. And then you see him through... Uh, black cat's eyes, and he's got pimples, and he's like, he's like, uh, uh, oh god, I, well, put it back on, put it back on. It's like this is what everybody sees. This is why he gets his ass kicked every day because he looks like that running around. And I've followed that book through the whole run, and again, bred attachment to it because it was so consistent and so like pure almost. And the idea that oh, I don't want new things, or oh, I'm some old. 
50-year-old neckbeard. No, fuck you. I'm the exact person you claim to be marketing for when you kill Peter Parker and bring in Miles. I'm the person. <laughs> I was, fuck, what was I at the time? Maybe 20, I think? How long has Miles been around? Tw- was it 2012, I think? It's around the well, same through the time. Magic of, through the magic of Wikipedia. Miles Morales. Ultimate Fallout number four in 2011? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I was wow. 20, right? And and I had been reading it since 2002, three. I was the person, that, one of the people they were selling to. And then when people say, oh, you don't want change, and they call you a neckbeard, I'm like, excuse me. I, I am Miles. I am a young, black, biracial, vaguely effeminate young man that you're advertising to. I don't like this kid. I like, I don't mind Miles. I just don't buy him. I mean, in the sense that, A, I don't trust big publishers to actually throw their effort into this. They do a thing, they get accolades, and if it doesn't sell, they cancel it anyway. They don't stick with it, you know? Yeah. And two, yeah, absolutely. A, you, you killed my guy. It was shitty. Yeah. It was kind of poignant and sad when it happened, but it was also kind of mean because you literally just have um, Green Goblin standing over him and, you know, he's like, I stopped you, Green Goblin. I got you and it's going to be okay. And Green Goblin says, yeah, but you're still dead. And then he fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say, and I say this as someone who has read a lot of comics where Satan appears and offers the protagonist a deal. Um, there have been some poor decisions in the house of spider oh god woof, woof. when they there are some thoughts one yeah, more day is a jack chick story all right and it, just the the politics behind that were so stupid just oh we got we, he can't grow up he can't be old and again i grew up i never thought of spider-man as a teenager that's what made ultimate spider-man such a click for me it's like whoa spider-man is a teenager when i was a kid he was like in college that's grown up to a 10 year old or a five-year-old yeah grown-ass man i always thought of spider-man man as an older brother and then i pick up ultimate and he's me and that's yeah amazing and then they kill him and then they try to make old spider-man young again it's like no he's he's an adult let him be let him get married let him have a kid let him be a person but no yes and the thing is if um let's see ultimate spider-man the first ultimate spider-man was like 2006 Mm-mm, no, it's way. It's older than that, dude. It's it's huh. the, it's around the time of the first Spider-Man movie. Whoa, they shared okay. plot points. They were. They, but if that guy, if that guy had come out of nowhere in Brooklyn, because that's where he was from at that point in life, and like, yeah, he's a fifteen-year-old from Brooklyn, he wouldn't have been a white guy, really. Like they could have, they could have basically just made him Miles to start with, and told all those same stories that you liked. But then they had, but they chose instead to bump him off to replace him with Miles Morales, who you know has all those qualifiers. Yeah, and it's and it's when we get to this the concept of legacy heroes, we're gonna get into that mm. because oh yeah, I, I don't want to like tip my hand too much on that, but yeah, a lot of what Marvel's doing in regards to that is honestly just the perspective people have on legacy is very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a whole episode unto itself. But the idea is, you know, yeah. everybody comes to root for their guy. And we've gotten into this weird place where there's less guys for everybody to root for. And yeah, we should probably come up with some less gendered language for that. But less heroes for everybody to individually root for. That's still that's still gendered, isn't it? Um, yeah. Less characters. Everyone wants their character to root for. And I've, everybody should get one. Everybody. Yeah. We're in this weird Everybody place. Everybody gets one. Right. But that's not the case. And then we're like trying to share space on the same like name and brand because, you know, let's it's not. It's like putting Harriet Tubman on one side of the 20. <laughs> 
And the, you know what's funny? And I'm... Talon has an obscure interest in currency. Oh, yeah. Have you done one of those in a while? Don't you overdo no, I, for a currency I, post? I, I finished the been? Australian currency and... There are more currencies. Suck. There are more currencies. <laughs> I it's might do Canada sometime. Yes, they have birds and stuff. Um, but no, uh, well, lost my point. Uh, Lego Batman came out. The point is, everybody, was, everyone should have a one. Yeah, everybody should have one. And it's funny, because Lego Batman came out, and it was like, oh, this is the Batman I always wanted. It's like, why? Why? Why not want someone else? I don't want, it's not that I'm like a grumpy old fogey. I do like Batman and this, that, and the third. I don't want super grim dark Batman either, but I would rather have someone else instead of, here's a different take on Batman. Because, well, first of all, at the end of the day, Batman is a mysterious dark character. So the humor that you would get from him comes from that subversion of that. So you're always revolving around this dark circle and sort of acting in response to it instead of just letting a funny character get more status and be funny. Have you ever seen uh, yeah. Batman the Brave and the Bold? That cartoon? No, not yet. It's great. It's funny. It's upbeat. It's got a very, like, Batman 66, who also got an animated movie for some dumbass reason, uh, feel to it, right? And you get to meet all of the rest of the DC universe in these little short vignettes. It's not really like a long, continuity-heavy show. It's just, hey, this episode, he teams up with Aquaman. This episode, he teams up with The Question, and on and on and on. It also has and, a, a really good exchange with the Joker, which a lot of people have shared with me. So, Yeah, and great show. I look at it, and it, and it does the thing where his technology is ridiculous and crazy, and his car turns into a robot and this, that. Like, you know what? This is a great show. It would have been a fantastic Ted Cord Blue Beetle show. And then yeah. Ted Cord would be out there. I mean, yeah, another white guy, whatever. It would be something else. It wouldn't just be 15 different iterations of Batman, 15 different iterations of Spider-Man, Superman, Wolverine, just Well, that's, anything yeah, that's else. its own problem. Yeah. Um, and, and for what it's worth, the idea of, as you outline us, the idea of a Blue Beetle show will pave the way, you know, you know, Ted Cord, but that would also pave the way for a follow-up show with, uh, the Hi, guy man. whose name I don't remember. Hi, I think Reyes. of him as the, yeah, he's, great he's easily my favorite part of the second season of young justice and it's just again this is how we keep rotating around the circle and making all these weird bad decisions because instead of hey maybe just do less spider-man stuff we didn't have to do this thing where we're cramming 15 different characters into the name spider-man there are four i think five spider-man books out that are in continuity Mm -hmm. happening right now where peter parker is spider-man um hobie brown the prowler is pretending to be spider-man on behalf of peter parker when he travels around the world miles morales is also spider-man in new york and and mm-hmm. i think there's another book that peter parker is also spider-man in because well, i don't know why and then you have the and the they're all stuff yeah and they're all with spider-man ben riley they, spider-gwen and oh yeah, um, all, and uh, silk Instead of just, I don't necessarily, I like superhero families. Yeah, me too. I, I, but they could have also done, I don't even, Darkhawk or some weird, you know, push him. And they try, kind of, but again, they don't try, try. They don't say, you know what, we're going to do it, even when the sales dip, just to keep it going until it generates its heat. And then maybe five years from now, the character gets a show, a movie, all this shit, and someone else. Well, you're touching there on the side effect of the the very nature of of this uh, of comics as an 
industry is it's really interesting in that it's a very big uh powerful component of what it is but it's also chronically timid yeah. um you know characters like superman spider-man batman have such amazingly high level power of cultural cachet um and you know 15 years ago if you told me that yeah probably the mainline characters that are really going to sell a lot of comics in the future oh, are iron dangerous. man and wonder woman <laughs> Yeah! You I would what? not have bought that for a second. And I think, you know, that's funny because that's that weird, like, dichotomy of, like, A-list in-universe, A-list within, like, the subculture, and then A-list out in the world, right? Yeah. Because the fiction wants you to say that Captain America has always been a big deal. When he shows up in an issue of Spider-Man, he's like, oh, wow, Captain America. Fuck you. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. You're Captain America. Who cares? But the fiction wants you to care about him. And there's a lot of things like that. And it's funny to think that Robin, Robin, Dick Grayson, was probably more of an A-list character than most of the Avengers, just because everyone else out in the world knows Robin before they knew yeah. Iron Man. And, and by the way, we're, talk, we're talking panties, Robin. We're not talking Nightwing yeah. when he got cool and it was acceptable to like him again. Yes. No. Everybody knows Batman and Robin. Dick Grayson. Yeah. Even if they don't fully know his deal, they're like, yeah, he's Robin. So that, that, that recognition... You know, you could the go. The thing about this is that uh, Robin is more recognizable and more renowned than Superboy. To Batman. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the thing is, Superboy is complicated because, like, really complicated. Superboy, yeah, just even like Superboy as a separate character from Superman is its own thing. And then there's the whole deal with Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, and you know, yeah, how and people being stealing people's too. money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a whole net of interconnected things, and maybe one day we'll do an episode that's just like archaeology of one character, where we explain more or less what's going on here. Yeah, um, but, but like but that, that's a that, that's just, a kind of a deep dive. Yeah, and it's not just the business. What I mean is like with Lego Batman, everybody was like, "Oh, this should have been the Batman." It's like, don't cheer for it. Like, ask mm. for something more. It's not just that the company made it; is that people are like, "Yeah, this is what we want. More of this." And like, you're just gonna get more Batman, and yeah. I don't want to roll up into people's conversation and be like, stop enjoying this seemingly fun movie and ask, just like, ah, just, it's just that frustration. It's like, no, just ask for something else. Ask for Well, it's more. also a way, and this is why I used the word earlier, schema. It's a way to look at the media as a greater landscape. Yeah. You, as a consumer, can look at it, look at Lego Batman and think, oh, I want Lego Batman 2 and Lego Batman 3. That's fine. You can want that. But another thing you could consider is what if you had seven or eight different really good movies, as good as the Batman Lego movie, like the Lego Batman movie, that are just about different characters in different ways and that aren't all trading off the one joke of, and I'm not saying that the Lego Batman movie is like unfunny, but at the core of it, the reason the Lego Batman movie can exist is because we have had 25 years of Batman getting steadily more and more ridiculously up his own ass. Exactly. And again, it all revolves around that darkness. Even Batman 66, the whole point was they're deadly serious and this is all ridiculous. And that was the joke, you know? Yeah. I, and that's I, that's always the so joke. Funny. That's Batman so humor. Funny that um that in hindsight now I genuinely have a hard time deciding if I like the Nolan universe Batman movies more than I like sixty six Batman as live action depictions go because sixty six Batman is corny and cheesy and ridiculous and so bad and the fight choreography is so bad but fight just because it frames itself <laughs> yeah good point but just because it frames itself as being goofy it means it doesn't have to. Live 
live up to the standards which uh, the Nolan universe has, where you can look at Batman spending easily half a trillion dollars on the screen and go, why doesn't he just buy Gotham schools? Mm. Like, well, why doesn't this guy just fix things with his money? That's the, that's and, the fault of the like, writers letting him do that shit instead of keeping him. Yeah. They say he's I grounded. fucking tank! They say he's grounded and they give him a tank. And I'm like, oh, you could have grounded him by not having him spend so much damn money. And that's, that's for the natural tech origin hero character episode. Oh, we're going back to the Batman well a couple of times. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I have, we have so much material off we're not happy with Batman. And I love, I genuinely like Batman. It's just the oversaturation and the insistence of the culture. And that's part of, you know, they driving away everybody else by not giving everybody else their one person. Because, oh, we can wheedle down and get more money temporarily by just publishing six Batman books a month. Uh, I remember reading or listening to someone say they tallied it up at a certain point in the last year. This is recent. Batman represented 65% of their output on a monthly basis. That's too much for one guy. That's too much for one idea. Even if you make a riff on it. Again, if you do a joke in reference to Batman, it's a joke about Batman being dark and us being funny as opposed to a joke about a funny character being funny. You know what I'm saying? It's a serious character that we're having fun with as opposed to a funny character being funny and I think that colors the overall language because if your basis is that dark spooky Gotham and your sense of humor comes from referencing that instead of somewhere else instead of a different perspective on humor then you're going to get that overall darker world because you're just your basis is dark and your funny is in reference to the dark as opposed to reference to the light or reference to anything else or it's just again well, I mean, what we're talking about out. here is like the very nature of humor is that humor is a, a, an untrained reaction of your brain mm. you have an expectation what you observe defies the expectation your brain doesn't know what to do with that and it throws out laughter as effectively a kind of error catching problem yeah. so in in the in the dark 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 darkity dark duck of like even the watchman the watchman had jokes oh yeah but the nature of those jokes was incredibly grim because even a little bit of levity in the context of jesus christ everything is so bad made you laugh it it actually is at the point where i remember the the first time i read to the end of watchman uh when i first realized what happened to roshark i actually burst out laughing because it was just this moment of like oh wow whoa whoo wow yeah and even not even just humor too because very recently like rebirth batman stuff there's a lot of bad hugs Batman hugs people a lot and, like, comforts them. Yeah. It's very interesting. And that moment is so powerful because, again, he's Batman. He doesn't normally do that. It's like, oh, he's reaching out. As opposed to, what would a Superman hand hug be? What would that feeling be again if you if you only even if it was too much superman or too much spider-man in fact spider-man is part of the same problem because he's always kind of ironic and you know quippy and that's the basis that the marvel universe sort of revolves around and that's why a lot of it is kind of bendacy you know kind of josh whedon and the way they talk and the way they act everything kind of revolves around that center it's not always like a genuine heartfelt place or, uh, you know, a genuinely angry place, it's always kind of ironic and kind of jokey. It's just, when you have hundreds of characters, you want to have your center be something a little more broad, I guess.
in the end, I think what we're really kind of underscoring here is we we come at comics from a place of love, but that love also includes within it a willingness to see them get better. Yeah, I want I I, I like um following a uh, Spike Trotman uh, Iron Circus comics because she's very smart and she can handle business real well. She knows what she's doing. She makes good stuff. And what she said once was. Comics as a medium will survive the death of superhero. And yeah. I like comics as a generalized medium as much as I like video games, as much as I like film and television and literature and music. But I like superhero media very specifically. And I would like to see it finally like fix itself to a point where it can survive as its own thing and its own like self-perpetuating thing. Because I would like to, just like my friend Matt with his kid, hypothetical kid in the future, with his episodes of Batman animated series, I'd like to sit a kid down and say here's something that means something to me it's not gone and there's a new place for you to be in it as opposed to here's this yeah. thing to do when i was your age and now it's gone we don't do it anymore because it it allowed itself to choke on its own bullshit you know yeah and like the idea that the we, we are in this weird situation where effectively there is an ecosystem and there are two life forms in that ecosystem and we're looking at that and going, well, they're it. And they're not. There are so many other comics and there are so many other superhero comics. It's just that Marvel and DC between them are just such an enormous weight. And they we have all fresh in our recent history the understanding of what happens when something idealistic sounding bursts out of that space and is like, I'm going to do things differently with Black and well-paid sex workers and it's it's just not gonna work because of course the last time that happened the people who were whose high ideals we were looking to were fucking todd mcfarlane and this is one of the things that they i can't remember his name i'm just seeing Lee, captain america Tom, side tits hey hey rob like todd mcfarlane rob Lee. it's funny because jim lee is one of the most important people in comics right now. He's one of the co-heads of DC. So he did all right for himself. And Todd McFarlane makes action figures. But hey, remember, Neil Gaiman was a part of that too. He made Angela. Yeah. And now Alan she's Moore in Thor comics. Yeah, well. Alan, Alan Moore threw his lot in with Image for a while there because he believed in the principle. Yeah, no, the... The, the business aspect was good. I, and it's funny because again, as a person who loves superheroes, I say the number one mistake they made was trying to create a superhero universe because yeah. it kind of doesn't work. It doesn't even work when it works. It's this weird thing that exists in this place that I would not try to recreate if I had the opportunity to. I would just do something completely different. There's a so, lot to be said about superhero universe oh, yeah. is a lot like a MOBA. <laughs> <laughs> You can't create one, you have to grow one. They have to be cultivated. And that takes time, and a lot of that time, no one will make any money. And they weren't even doing it on purpose. Like, none of the long... Superman didn't spring into the world, hitting that car up as a member of an established universe with all this other shit going around. He was by himself, he fought those guys, and that was it. Same way with Batman, same way with all of them. And they just got smushed together because that makes the sales go up. Again, everybody has their person. Put everybody's persons together, everybody reads your book. And so, alright. Yeah, similarly, just remember, DC stands for Detective Comics. Oh, yeah. Batman was a one-shot character on Conception. All of them were. Spider-Man was supposed to be just a throwaway story at the end of a book that was ending. Because it's like, eh, whatever. Fuck it, Stan. Do it. Nobody cares. It's the last issue of this anthology story that nobody's reading. So we're canceling it. And it popped off. And here we are now. Almost... 
a hundred years later, it's almost a century. Yep. It's so, so yeah, we, we care about comics. We care about them in a higher sense. And like, I don't let any of this talk ever leave you with the impression that if you don't care, you're like a bad person. Like we will say some things that imply that there are certain bad people for the way they like comics, but they're mostly Nazis. The thing is we... <laughs> Like, that's not a joke. That's... No, no, I, no, I don't. It's, it's 2017, man. That's not a joke. That's just reality. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you want to listen to a podcast where you have two grown-ass dorks who have a fairly wide reading circle and like to think about this kind of stuff, you know, this is what From the Rooftops is going to be about. We might be shouting angrily. We might be shouting happily. We might be t- grabbing you and saying, hey, here is the thing we really want you to know exists so you can enjoy it. But that's what this is about. It's about the stuff that makes us want to yell. Yeah. Yeah. And we honestly just hope that it connects with somebody that somebody picks up on what we're putting out and that gives us piles of money oh no of course if you have money and you know drugs and or power and influence please come to me don't come to him come to me i'll give him later i'll I'll cut you in man i promise i'll cut you in (laughs) let's be absolutely clear we care about this stuff we are also fully willing to sell out it's just for a very high price uh, well, I would. Mm, you Look, would sell I, out for I, a high I, price. I'm a. I, I, no, you I'm are worth more than you think. <laughs> I've watched Kevin Smith movies. I understand that podcaster is a upper middle class job. <laughs> so if you're going to give one of them to Clay, you know, you know, sign the checks. You know, we're willing to. We're willing to look into this. I, I, I rock with Kevin Smith for a while there. You know, uh, <laughs> wear one of those giant jerseys. <laughs> I do it, you know. I haven't, I haven't worn a big ass jersey since I was in second grade. No, well, uh, sophomore year. But I'm down. I don't even like hockey, but we can do it, man. I, I mean, are those hockey I, jerseys? I, I don't. Are the hockey jerseys? What kind of jerseys that, are those? That does run the risk that you will wind up showing up on a Google search for um, huge jorts, though. <laughs> So, that's us. That's what From the Rooftops is going to be about. And importantly, it's going to be a podcast that wants your input. So, if you're hearing this, contact us uh, both on Twitter at datpremi and datpremi. And (laughs) tell me. (laughs) I was just just figuring I'd direct all the noise at you. Because... Um, where we will be taking on advice about things we want to do future episodes on, things you want to hear us talk about, um, comic book characters you want us to do maybe a bit of a deconstruction on, that kind of stuff. We're happy to talk about basically comic books and superheroes and all this stuff. And who knows, maybe we will do one of those You Are Wrong About Superheroes episodes. It'll probably happen by accident in the middle of an episode about something nice. Yeah, so if you don't want that to just... happen, don't send us nice messages. Well, don't send him nice messages. That'll save you. <laughs> the important thing is, There's the Clay box. is very skilled at chucking trains in front of people. <laughs> so it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. But anyway, anyway, thank you very much for listening. And tune in next time for Blade. <laughs> We can get it because cause we're not trying to be a news thing, so we can fucking have backlog. God, no. Yeah, God, get, I, I I don't have the heart for that. <laughs> I do not. And wanna, um, I don't want to have a uh. Wait, is it Richard? Sp- which Spencer is it that is relevant to this one? I don't have a Spencer watch. <laughs> Nick, there's enough Nick Spencer. Spencer. Okay, Nick oh, for Nazi. Have we Richard? S-
for have right. We, have we seen them in the same place? Oh god. I don't even actually Look, know what he looks like. I know what the, the, the evil Spencer looks like. I don't know what the stupid Spencer looks like. Yeah, Richard Richard Spencer looks like a Richard Spencer doll that was left in the back of a car and melted a bit. Yeah, I don't even know what Nick Spencer looks like, so I'm not Nick sure. Spencer looks could. like a dog in his Twitter avatar. Well that didn't help. Hold on, let's look him up. Well I th- I think that's his way of trying to defray our rage at him because you know, you don't want to yell at a dog. <laughs> 